So we get to the coming, the fewer people believe in it. What's amazing is people that have stood for years and years in church and give many years of their youth, many years of their middle age, and now many of them are up in their 60s, 70s, whatever more, and we're so close to the lights of that city, and they're turning from this close and turning back. How sad. Aren't you glad you've got your mind made up by the grace of God? Got more of a determination now than ever before. God bless you. Let's turn to 2 Timothy, if you would, tonight, chapter 3. We greet you tonight in the name of the Lord. It's a privilege for us to be together, isn't it, in the house of God. And Brother Louis said in these troublesome times that we're living in, and <clears throat> we're so glad to have a rock. If politics was your rock in this hour, you're going to be in bad shape, aren't you? Uh, here we are. We're not um, certain exempt from trouble and heartbreak and things in our nation, in our home, and our church, people afflicted and so many things that are going on. But yet, if our faith is anchored in Him, then no matter what things happen, we just keep pressing right on. We just keep right on going. Amen. No matter what the world does, no matter what sickness does, no matter what hell does, when there is no more hell, you still will be. Amen. When there is no more COVID, you still will be. Amen. I love this scripture in the sense of prophetic insight. Prophetic insight is something that's very peculiar and very strange in the way that it works. God will say things sometimes in such a way that the average person would look at it and read it for years and years and totally miss it because of the way he incorporates revelation being there required to see it. Other things, you can read it and you think, wow, it's just like the newspaper yesterday or the day before. Um, part of this is written that way and part of it is hid, of course, but let's begin reading in verse 1 of Second Timothy 3. This knowing also that in the last days, which lets us know that this could be ongoing for quite some time, perilous times shall come. And the word perilous, as I've shared with you before, means times that are hard to deal with, times that are hard to live with, that you don't know what to do. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Now really, all the people above that we just read about, they all fit in the same category. But them last words there is what makes it so profound that there's some that are good in the midst of such mayhem and such chaos and such wretched wickedness on the face of the earth. And Paul would dare say by the inspiration of God that those other people in that other class despise those that are good. Tell me how in the world could there be anything good come out of Laodicea? My, they thought it was something to get something good out of Nazareth. I mean, Nazareth was a bad, wicked town. But you're actually going to culminate seven church ages out of Laodicea with good people that love God? Yep. Yep. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Who do you reckon that's speaking to? From such, turn away. You see, many of the people who are involved in these other verses, this is their destiny. This is who they are. They are simply going to add the final drop to the cup, which will push it over into the tribulation period and actually cause the rapture to consummate first. So they're only playing out their part, living their destiny. Who's going to turn away? I'm one of them. Are you? I'm going to turn away from this stuff. Now it's going to be before us. It'll be around us. But this is some of the stuff we'll have to deal with. Now what we've been looking at for several Wednesday nights is getting in the spirit. These words are more than just words. It's more than just the Greek letters that were put together in Aramaic and then the English translators, of course, in 1611, been able to complete the composition of the King James Version. But there's actually spirits that go behind words. So the people who's going to get into this and remain in there, sealed into that, will be the people who catch the spirit of these words. Same way with the message. The message to some people is just words. They believe it for years and years until somebody confuses the rhythm of the words in their mind. Then they no longer understand what they've been listening to for years and years and years, why they never caught the spirit of those words that's on the tape. I don't want to just say what's on the tape and repeat it. I want to have the spirit that was there. So we've got to get in the spirit, don't we? How many like to be remembered tonight before the Lord as we pray? Amen. Let's just approach him tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for your kindness to us. Thank you for giving us another Wednesday night, Lord, that we can be able to gather ourselves together. Lord, we're indeed grateful. Father God, I pray that you would help us, that we can take advantage of every opportunity. Lord, I ask you that 
you would just move on our hearts as we assemble here, Father. May the presence of God be able to meet every need. There's no way I can help these people tonight, Father. I can study, and I've tried to do that. I can pray, and I've done that. I can spend hours and looking at words and hunting in scriptures and hunting quotes and try to take the gift that you gave me and the inspiration that you allow me to have. But Father God, whenever I stand here, that within itself is not enough. That's me and you spending that time alone. But a lot of that delivery and a lot of the way this service will go, it's not just dependent on me. There's many times I stand here and I marvel at the way you take the scriptures and quotes that I prepared that you gave me. And you'll turn it and you'll twist it around and you'll go in a direction that is so different than what I thought. And it's because of their needs. And not only those that are here, but those on the internet. Maybe a brother in Norway, a sister Lord in Iceland, or somewhere in Austria, wherever they are. And they'll pull on the Spirit of God. And you'll pull, Lord, in that direction. So help us tonight, I pray, Father, to be able to pull our needs on the gift of God. Speak to us, Lord God, would you? Our needs are many, we know that. But we bring them before your throne. Be mindful of the sick and the needy and the suffering, Father. We commit the service to your charge. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. Love you so much. You may be seated. As an American citizen, which I am, and uh, most of you are tonight that are here present anyway, it cannot keep from hurting our hearts when we see our nation heading in a downward spiral which is absolutely irreversible. As we see our countrymen, the people that we rub shoulders with every day. Some of you that uh, have businesses and you deal with people and they are, as we would say, good people. Many of them love the Lord. We're blessed to be able to live in this part of considered still yet the Bible Belt. How long that will be, we don't know for sure. But still where people uh, are, are willing to talk about the Lord. And people that will, you just get around them a little bit and they'll kind of feel you out as I did one day this week with a couple of guys and they didn't know me and I didn't know them. But we started talking a little bit and one of them threw out a little bit of fishing and I threw out a little bit more. And and before you know it, we were standing there talking about the Lord and the presence of God come down where we were at. And it feels wonderful whenever that happens to you. But, you know, we're blessed to be able to live at least in this part of America so far where we can still do that. But yet we know as we go on in time and the darkness gets more of a grip that we'll have to be more careful and more precautious because people become offended talking about God. They become offended for you to mention his name or I'll pray for you or I'll mention your name in prayer. 
Well, that's got to happen. But yet, it, it's terrible as Christians for us to see it happen. No doubt, as it has happened every turn uh, behind us in the past ages. And Brother Branham says it this way in 1953. The world has got to get like this. God would be unjust to pour his wrath upon a just people. They've ignored him and walked away, and Satan's captured them. Amen. Now notice the sequence of events. They've ignored him and walked away, and Satan's captured them. Now God is not willing that any should perish. Now listen to me, as much as we believe in the sovereignty of God, and I appreciate it more now than I ever have in my life. Amen. Because I know if man was left to his own devices, I'm convinced humanity would have already annihilated themselves off the face of the earth. Amen. Had not the angels of the Lord intervened in World War II, the earth would have not been populated from that time on. Amen. But the angels of God stopped the total annihilation of man. The angels of God have intervened time and time again. Amen. God's sovereignty has overstepped the ignorance and the blindness of humanity. Let me go ahead and bring it on down not only to our presidents or the premiers of other countries or prime ministers, but God in our own lives as believers has had to display his sovereign grace when many times us in our ignorance would have caused situations in our lives that would have been totally irreversible. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. If God had not have intervened when Abraham had come up with a plan to let his wife be taken into Pharaoh's house and allow her to be almost defiled in the same way that Eve was. When Abimelech took her, why? Because Abraham was afraid and he showed the cowardly spineless part of a man. Now come on, don't get offended at me. It was the truth. And yet Abraham was willing to put the, his safety of his wife and the promise of God. But what did God do? It wasn't because Abraham was so good and Abraham stood up so firm, he was acting like a coward. Tell, tell them that you're, I'm your brother and you're my sister. And, and, and God, God will, you know, God will somehow do it. What was it? A coward. And God, by his sovereign grace, stepped in and forbid. Whenever the king said, Lord, you see the integrity of my heart. Uh, the man told me this was his wife. He said, I know you that. I know that's right. And I have kept you from sinning against me. It was not Abraham and his goodness. It was not Abraham and his steadfastness. It was the sovereignty of God. Let me tell you something, friend. If the sovereignty of God had not stepped in when Brother Branham was so overwhelmed, 
overwhelmed and he takes his gloves off because of the death of his wife and his baby and goes to lay his hands on them power lines. Brother Branham would have been a dead man before he ever started really in the prophetic aspect of his ministry. But the sovereignty of God stepped in and protected not only that gift, but the message for you and I to feed on. God could not get anybody else to fulfill Malachi 4 because Brother Branham's name was on that scripture. Well, let me say the same thing for you tonight. If you're members of the bride of Christ, in spite of your laziness, in spite of my laziness, and our our lack of faith, and our lack of sincerity, if God has ordained us to be a part of this bride, God will get us there. I don't care what he's got to do. If he's got to slap us up the side of the head, every time we come to church and he's going to whoop us like a stepchild, he's going to get us to the place to oh hallelujah that we as the people of God love him more than anything else in this world. Why sovereign grace will not allow predestinated mystery of God to go unfulfilled. The laziness of man, the sorriness of man, the intellect of man will never break the sovereign will of almighty God. I wish somebody would Say amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Notice this in question and answers. He said, we've got to get in the spirit of the last days when the last days are here. You go to a dance hall. You got to get into the spirit of dancing or they won't dance. You go into the church and you've got to get into the spirit of worship before you can worship. The world's got to get into the spirit of the last days before the last days can come. So before total chaos can move into the land, what has to happen? The people have to forfeit the word that they know. The nation has already turned God down as a whole. They did that in 1956. Is that right? And yet what is God doing? Waiting maybe on one predestinated seed or a thousand, who knows how many there are, and God will complete that book of life, Lamb's book, and when he does, then the church, the bride will be gone and there'll be no more grace, but God will not lose one name on that Lamb's book of life. He will hold us here for decades, if necessary, in order to fulfill every word, every name that's on that book. And the church said, I'm glad he done that because it might have been my name or your name. So God will not allow Satan or man to override the sovereignty of things that will prohibit his word from coming to pass. Now on the negative side of prophecy, there are things that must come to pass. Oh, I hate to see it. It breaks my heart to see it. But yet we know there are things that must come to pass. They must be fulfilled. The world has got to get in the spirit of the last days. Now what makes it so difficult for us is some of our family, some of our friends, some of people we want to church with will actually be some of the ones that will fulfill these scriptures that we read tonight. Now we want to believe all of our family will be saved. My, I don't know of anybody, I want to be lost, do you? Do you know of anybody you would want to see burn in hell? 
Well, if you do, you need to repent tonight yourself. I know of nobody that I would want to be there. God don't even feel that way. It's not his will that any should perish. He looks at no one and says, I want you to go to hell. I want you to burn up. I want you to be annihilated. No, he does not feel that way. Anybody with the spirit of God does not feel that way either. But yet we know that people must get there. But notice they've got to move into the spirit of the last days. Notice he said, God's promised that these things would be here and that's what we've got. We're in the last days and men and women are sitting asleep and don't realize it. Now can everybody be woke up? They cannot. And some might be woke up for a season and they'll go right back to sleep. And then they get woke up again and they go right back to sleep but the bride must be awake. The bride must be alert. Now, does the bride feel drowsiness? I'm talking about spiritually. Can the bride feel drowsy and can the bride, you know, need to be shook up? Of course, we all can deal with those things, but the bride will not stay there because she is bride. Now, in the the cogs of prophecy, sometimes the prophetic wheels of God's word will grind ever so slowly. And it may come that there'll be decades that'll pass and hardly anything will come to pass. And you look through the stretch of time and you say, my, it doesn't seem like that much is going on. Well, in the last days, this would happen and that would happen and that would happen. And it's like a blanket coverage that goes over many, many years. And then things start moving. whenever it does sometimes it will fulfill maybe one promise word linked to another to another and four or five promises might come to pass and then you go into a neutral place in those cogs again and it seems like not a lot is happening but we know when God gets ready that sometimes those cogs will move together and they'll so line up there'll be one scripture after another after another after another after another after another and it will culminate at such a speed that it's overwhelming that's what happened in the days of the Lord Jesus in the last six hours of his life on the cross the prophetic cogs of prophecy were moving so fast and God was fulfilling so many things that it's totally undeniable for him to be the man that the word prophesied about. Now, sometimes it can be people, individuals, or it can be groups of people, or it can be collective. It can be individuals, and it can be groups, and it can be world class. It can be uh, seasons, or it can be sessions of time by which the prophecy is unfolded. Now, we happen to live in the latter part of that Gentile part when every portion of Gentile scriptures is coming right together to the culmination. And we know that God has it actually in a sequence of time. And we wonder why are we still here? Why have we delayed? Now, whenever we come to the message in 1983 and we begin to realize that there was a message, I thought, my goodness, we must be the last ones. We've got to be the last ones. And you've heard me tell, and I went to the bank there where we live and I borrowed some money and went to Jeffersonville and bought as many tapes as I could buy and brought them home and started handing them out to the people there in the church. And I just stayed right there in the tapes and listened and listened and listened and listened because I thought we've got to be 
the very last ones. But I'm so glad that when I come in, I come in at that speed because God knew. Now, if God would have showed me, no, look, you're going to be here 2020, 2020, 2021, Lord, 2022. Oh, my. I'll just take my time. I'll get into it real slow, and I'll just, you know. But no, God wanted me to come in with an urgency. No doubt many of you felt the same way. Oh, my, I've got to get in. Oh, my, the end time is here. Well, I've never regretted that. Do you? I'm glad that I felt that urgency. And at the same time, you realize that God knew it would not be many, many years before we would ever go. But he let me be burst under the urgency of the birth pains in my soul. Now, he'd done the same thing, of course, in the first church age. And you can see Paul's writings when he begins to write about the coming of the Lord. It's as if so he perceives that it's going to be right on them because he mentions it and he even identifies his own flesh as being one of those that's going to be changed. And he identifies himself as us, as us, as we, because it looks like it's going to happen right in his day. As he goes on a few years later and begins to write, it's like it strikes him that the maturity of the word is going to go on for some time. And then he begins to place that prophetically over into a period that was unknown. He wasn't sure exactly when it was. But God has many portions of his word that must be fulfilled. Now, sometimes as believers, we look at it and boy, we shout and we rejoice at certain things that's coming to pass. And there's other parts of prophecy that breaks our hearts. There's parts of the word of God when it's fulfilled uh, as a national people, as a people who love our homeland. You imagine Jeremiah sitting five miles outside the city whenever he sees the people being carried over to Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar has come in. King Zedekiah has been captured. His sons has been killed. His eyes has been put out and they lead him on that road that trekked 500 miles back to Babylon. And Jeremiah sits five miles outside the city and the book of Lamentations is written and he's weeping and crying and crying. Why? Because the very words that went out of his mouth are coming to pass. Any true prophet of God never rejoices when he sees his sad, sorrowful prophecies being fulfilled. Any man that claims he's a prophet and he loves to see destruction and devastation brought on the people of God and he rejoices, that man needs the Holy Ghost. He does not have the Spirit of Christ. Well, praise the Lord. If you enjoy seeing gloom and doom and and all that come on the people of God, you need to get that evil devil off of you because you do not have the spirit of Christ. Is that right? So Jeremiah sits there and he keeps warning them and warning them and God gives them sign. They would pay no heed and yet God kept right on unto the cause of prophecy. Now, whenever this is going on, God actually has Jeremiah to act out a prophetic stance of the scripture that will come to pass 70 years later. He calls Baruch and he comes over and he purchases part of the property of his nephew and he puts it in a vessel and he seals it up and he said, thus saith the Lord, the people of God will return. That part of scripture, anybody could say, praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But remember, the other part was you're going down to Babylon, you'll serve the king of Babylon and you'll be there for 70 years. That part didn't make anybody happy. And that's the way the word comes to pass. So here we are living in the closing hours of the Gentile portion of the scriptures. And what's that? There will be the consummation of the cup of what the Bible identifies in the book of Genesis as the iniquity of the Amorites. 
Now, God is a just God, and God, of course, is promising to Abraham that his seed is gonna be heir of the land that is called the land of Canaan. Turn with me, if you would, Genesis 15, 13. And this read is God speaks to him, he's still in the name Abram. And he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. Now, remember, this is prophecy. And shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. Now, God could have told them the land, Egypt, but he chose not to. Also, that nation, again, God could have said so, but he just said nation, whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they shall come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, fourth generation, Now you see, this is something that stumbles people, especially folks that think they know it all, because they look at this portion of scripture and they say, wait a minute, I thought a generation was 40 years, but that would only be 160 years. But God said 400 years. Oh, but you see, you should have read a little farther in history. And you would have found out that the way that the Hebrews would use the term generation, that a generation could be from 38 to 105 years, depending on their application. And you see, when we study prophecy, and that's why those that are trying to find fault in the prophet's message, and they, with their mind, go to looking and searching and trying to find error. If you're looking for error, you will find error. If you're looking for truth, you will find truth. Now God said they're gonna be there 400 years, but actually they were there 430. Can't God count? Well, you see another one of God's ways that God may say 400, but it's in a span of time by which God is speaking. So some of these folks that are trying to make Brother Branham a false prophet, they need to make God a false God because God strictly said 400 years, but it was actually 430 years. I'm sorry you all didn't know that. You need to spend more time reading your Bible instead of a bunch of hogwash on Facebook. Well, praise the Lord. Now, notice that when we study and the cogs of prophecy are moving, we have to be so careful whenever we're putting it together or we will take the Bible and make God out a liar. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. He wants to discredit the author in your view so you will not believe the author's word. So notice in God told them that they're gonna be there for 400 years and that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. Actually, they shall come out with great substance and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. In the fourth generation, in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So we learn from this divine declaration of God that the Canaanites were not destroyed by a divine sovereign purpose of God because God looked down there at them and said, I don't like you people. And because I don't like you, I'm gonna wipe you out and I'm gonna take away from you this land and I'm gonna give it to Abraham's nation because I like him better than I like you all. 
Now, if that was so, God could have done it right then because God chose Abraham, or Abram as his name is now. He chose him and the covenant was made with Abram. God could not fully give Abram the complete inheritance because the cup was not yet full. Now notice how the cup of iniquity not only affects the wicked, but it also affects the full inheritance of the righteous. Now here is Abram on the earth and oh how he would have loved to be able to walk abroad through that land and say every bit of it belongs to me. But yet the only thing that he actually owned in the land was the cave of Machpelah, which is the cave of two mouths. This is the only spot that he actually had a deed to which he bought to bury his wife. And yet by promise, he owned all the rest of it. Well, why didn't God just run every one of them out and give it to Abraham? God could not do that and be just because the cup of the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full. So if God is going to run them out and give the land to somebody else, God must be just because the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Hivites, all of these people that he run out one day will stand before God at the white throne judgment and if they were run out of their land and they were a good God loving sincere humble people and God just run them out of their land and because God wanted Abraham to have it then they will stand there at the day of judgment and say God you were unjust we was worshiping you we was serving you we was doing our best but when they walked before the judgment seat the Amorites the Hivites the Hittites the Jebusites all of them they will stand there condemned with without excuse. And God took what was theirs away from them and gave it to a people which he had called out. But he had to do this transfer of rights in the court justice of law in heaven. So he can't just take it away from them and say, well, I wanted him to have it in the first place and how did you get over it? I don't like you people. Nope, he's got to do it in a just way. So God here unveils an attribute of his justice. So Abraham and his seed are not going to be able to inherit this land simply yet because the iniquity of the Amorites has not reached the full cup. What a strange thing. Then that the elect of God would not come to their inheritance because it would be coincided. So here the light will not permeate children of light in the full reflection until the spirit of darkness permeates the people of darkness. Oh my goodness. Do you understand the reason, my friend, that we have not already moved into the rapture? Do you understand why? The resurrection has not already been called. It's not just us. It's not just the readiness of the church, but no doubt there's more drops to be added to the cup here in America. There's more drops to be added to the cup. Maybe in Germany, maybe in, in, you know, in, in Amsterdam and wherever more around the world. The saints in Germany and the saints in, in Iceland, the saints in here and there and there. And it's all been correlated together. So here's Abraham and his seed that are not going to be able to get their inheritance until the cup of the iniquity of the Amorites is totally full. Now watch this, so it must be that God is not doing this by a willful decree of his own. I decree that the Amorites will do this and this and this, but God said no, they will not get the portion of the land until the cup is fulfilled. But God is not making them do it, he foresees they will, and this is prophecy. 
Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. So what are they going to do? Now the children of God then will go to the land of Egypt. They will stay and God will build a nation while they're waiting on the promise to come to pass. Watch this in Matthew 23, 29. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Now watch the Lord Jesus as he's catching the very thoughts and the confession of the people now of this generation, of the people that he was talking to, and they were saying, oh, our, our father's done Jeremiah terrible. Our father's treated Moses awful. They done this and that. And oh, oh, if we would have had the opportunity to live in their day, there's no way that we would have done that. No, sir, we would have never done that. Watch Jesus' response. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which kill the prophets. Now notice they were not only the natural genos of the seed line, but they were of the same nature as their forefathers which had killed the prophets. Because what are they gonna do? They're gonna kill the Lord Jesus. Many of these will go on to kill the apostles. So they're not just of the same DNA naturally, but they're of the same spirit that their fathers were. Oh yeah, but they stood there and they garnished the tombs of Jeremiah and they made great holy places out of it, oh my, I'll tell you one thing, if I'd have been in the days of Jeremiah, I wouldn't have done this and that and the other, like some of the message folks, boy, if I'd have lived in the days of Brother Branham, I would have done this and that and the other, no you wouldn't, you stand against God's servants right now that's anointed with the same spirit of God, if you'd been in the days of Brother Branham, you'd have done him the same way. Well, praise God, you saints of God that are the elect of God, if you lived in the days of Noah, you'd been hammering on wood and pitching pitch, is that right? If you'd have been in the days of Abraham, you'd been right there, part of that message. You see, no matter which era of time you would have lived in, that does not change who you are. And Jesus is showing them, you are the very children, and you identified yourself as them being your fathers, and you are just like them, you're a bunch of serpents. Oh my, wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which kill the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your father. Don't you see this is a prophecy? Fill ye up the measure. Now up to this time, the measure had not been put in the cup, total rejection. But their children are gonna add the last drop. Listen to me now. So you've got a cup, you've got a bowl, whatever it is. It's totally full, but it's not running over yet. And you add one more drop to that bowl, that barrel, whatever it is, you add one more drop, and all of a sudden that drop because of the compression and the weight and the capacity of the bowl and all that, it, what does it cause? It causes it to begin to run over. It's as we say the proverbial saying, the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, how could that be? How can one straw break a camel's back? Well, it can't. It's the accumulation of one straw and another straw and another straw and another straw. Right? So it's the way that prophecy comes to pass. It's the same way that the cup of iniquity comes to pass. I hope you understand that our nation is adding drop after drop after drop. 
And our election yesterday, oh my, our, some of our, our riders are so proud of the votes of the American people because they voted in more transgenders and they voted in more gays and lesbians into the offices. Well, of course they did. Why? Because that's part of the prophecy of the cup coming to pass. Well, come on, don't get quiet on me, Happy Valley. It's got to come to that. It breaks our hearts. My, who in the world would want people to be able to lead this perverts and their minds are perverted? Well, you know what them type of people's gonna do? They're gonna try to bring more laws to pass. Oh, that won't affect me, really? Well, what if they wanna bring laws to pass so they can have your little boy or have your little girl like they did in the days of Rome? You see, whenever that thing got loose among the Romans and among the Greeks, which was very prevalent among them, they never thought it would ever come down. They just, they just ignored it. And they never thought it ever do anything, so the common people held their peace until some of them great philanthropists wanted to come down to their house and take their little boy or take their little girl. Then it become very personal. But you see, we leave it in Washington. We leave it in Philadelphia. We better open our eyes. It's in Johnson City. It's in Elizabeth, and it's here and there and there. There is no place safe, friend. There's only one safe place, and that's in Christ Jesus. Oh, my. So what is the Lord Jesus telling them? Now, notice how he says it. Fill ye up, then, the measure of your father. So this is a prediction, a prophecy of what they're about to do. So the cup is almost to the top. Now, the city, of course, Jerusalem has been rebuilt. They're now living in the second temple period. Herod has spent 46 years in restoring it. My, it goes way beyond even what Solomon had it in his day. It's a great, glorious, splendorous temple, and all the people are just thinking so lovely and so fine but yet God knows the cup. Now it's not the cup of the iniquity of the Amorites, it's the cup of the iniquity of the Jews. Well, praise the Lord. It's the cup of the iniquity of people that say their God is Jehovah. And what are they going to do? These folks are, are going to show their true spirit. They're going to show who their true lineage really is. That they are the children of their fathers and mothers that killed the prophets. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm so glad I heard, I heard Brother Ben say it today. He said, I woke up and realized I was not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. I'll tell you, it's, it's wonderful. If your mom and dad believes the word, that's absolutely wonderful. But for some of us, we didn't have that privilege. We didn't have that privilege of our mothers and our fathers and our siblings and our aunts and uncles standing with the message of the hour. So what did we have to do? We had to make that separation. If mama don't go, I'm going on. If daddy don't go, I'm going on. Well, come on now. Well, hallelujah. My daddy was a good old Baptist. I'll die Baptist. My daddy was a Presbyterian. Not me, brother. I am not going to be the son of any man, amen, that will not stand with the whole word of God. He may be the father of my body, but not the father of my destiny, and not the father of that gene inside of my soul. Well, praise the Lord. Notice what Jesus says. This was done. Why? Oh, you think Jesus rejoiced? You think Jesus was standing there smiling and happy when he looks upon these people? We know what the Bible tells us. Then when he come to the Mount of Olives and he looked over in the book of Luke and he looked upon there and the Bible said that Jesus wept as he was crying there. Oh, he said, if you would have known the time of your visitation. But he said, now it's too late. Now it's too late. Oh, if you would have only known, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you together. Brother M said, it must have been the way I felt the other day 
He said, thinking about America, and he felt the Holy Spirit dropping tears in my heart, saying, America, America, how I would gather you together. Oh, America, oh, America, how God would have gathered you together, but now your house is left unto you desolate. Oh, Lord. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Notice, only God knows when this measure is reached. What, what is this measure? It's the allocated amount that it will take in the bottle to fulfill the prophecy in that time that it's given to. So this is designated as Gatorade, as you know, and it's designated as so many ounces. And you put so many in there, and it depends on how full they make this whenever they did it at the factory. But I'm so glad that God, oh, it's like God pre-bottled his word. And he pre-bottled the dispensation of the Holy Ghost to go with that match of the word. And whenever a messenger comes and he opens up the contents of that word and the saints of God begin to supper that word and they have communion with God, on the other side, there's another cup there. It's a cup of negative, if we can say it. And they, they all kinds of things keep adding. Their sins, their unbelief, their error, their rejection of the word. They keep adding a little more. They added a whole lot in 1956. They added a whole lot more in 1965. They added a whole lot more when they legalized abortion. They added a whole lot more when they legalized same-sex marriage. I wonder how close we are. I wonder what lays before us when our election is finally determined and this one won and that one won and that one won. We don't like it, do we? No, we'd like to go out as smooth as possible. We'd like to go out as easy as possible. Aren't you glad God's in control? Yes, sir. I imagine some of you died in the world Democrats are sweating bullets. Some of you died in the world Republicans, you're sweating bullets. If you got your faith in Jesus, you just say, well, I prayed and I voted. I've done everything I know to do. I'm just committing the rest of it to the Lord God. If God wants Biden in, then praise be to God. I feel like she'll make a very great president for the left-leaning people. I think that she'll be a great president for the world and help consummate. Well, Donnie, you're not calling Biden a woman, are you? I'm talking about that woman that he run with. She's gonna be president. Not Joe Biden, he ain't got enough sense already to get out of the rain. Well, come on, Happy Valley. A vote for Biden was a vote for Kamala, not for Biden. Oh, some of you Democrats, boy, you got red in the face. I know which one's Democrats now. But you see, no matter how much the Republicans are trying to stop it, if that's God's will, if that's God's will, brother, it'll come to pass. If it was God's will for Nero to be in there, I don't care how much people write and said, we'll stop Nero, you couldn't stop it to save your life. You imagine when God moved on Isaiah and he said, my shepherd, my servant, Cyrus, over a hundred years before that man was born. Hallelujah. And a prophet of God called his name and probably some of the former message followers that followed Isaiah and they looked down to them and said, that never come to pass, that never come to pass, that never come to pass. They didn't live long enough to see it come to pass. God's prophets, when they speak under inspiration, it will come to pass. Oh my, you believe that with all your heart. Now, where is the cup for America? I don't know, and I'm glad I don't know. Where is it for the world? Where is it for the European Union? I don't know. Where is it for the Catholic Church, that whore? 
Come on, saints. That Jezebel that has killed millions of God's saints. Where is the cup of hell iniquity? No doubt it's coming right up to the brim. The final drops added to the cup of the Jews. Crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. Drop, drop. Stephen being stoned. Another drop. Peter and the apostles being beaten. Another drop. Until it reached its fullness. And Titus encamped the city and shut it down. No one could come in. No one could leave. They ate their children. When people died, they didn't bury them. They ate them. They resorted to cannibalism. The very city that Jesus Christ walked in and said, one day there will not be one stone left upon another. Why? They kept adding drop after drop. Oh, America the Great. Some of y'all remember the sermon that I preached, my, it's probably been 15, 20 years ago. America the Beautiful. America the Cursed. America the Beautiful. America the Damned. The Spirit of God spoke that to me early one morning. I trembled. I still get fear in my heart. And I remember that presence that I felt before the breaking of day. Think of it, children. Oh, he said, ha, 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 I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad. Don't, don't, don't get that attitude. It ought to break our hearts to see which way our nation's going. It ought to see our hearts to see where people are going. A young man told me the other day, not from this church, I never met the guy before, but we got to talking about the Lord. He told me, he said, about a certain place over in, over in Virginia, not far from us, and he said, a man got up and preached a sermon. He said, it was hellfire and brimstone. This young fellow said, that's the kind I like to hear. I said, me too, that's the kind I preach. <laughs> He said, praise the Lord. That's what he said, praise the Lord. Raised up his hand and said, praise the Lord. He said, when he got done preaching, the pastor got up and said, you're not welcome to come back here no more. You offended these people and you leave right now. He said, I heard that. I thought, oh God, have mercy. You know what, friend? That's where we are. That's where we are. It happens in message churches, whether or not you want to accept it, or they may not do it before the church, but you know, you realize that you'll never be back to that church to preach again because you preach too hard, you preach too straight. Message folks, many of them are getting just as soft as a denomination. They want a pastor that'll just skirt around the issues and let them look like the world, act like the world, dress like the world. I'll tell you, friend, as long as I've got grace enough, strength enough, breath enough, I'm not going to do it. Oh my, you may vote me out, you may get rid of me, but I'm going to tell you the truth because I've got your blood on my hands. I'm going to stand before God. I want to say, Lord God, I told him the truth as long as I was in my right mind. You're going to preach with me tonight. Why? Because we are responsible. I am responsible. You are responsible. We are responsible to stand for the word in the last day. Oh, but Brother Donnie, there won't be many follow. I'm not responsible for the many that don't. I'm responsible for the few that do. 
That's the ones I'm responsible for. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you the truth. If it costs me my life, if it costs me my pride, if it costs me everything I have, I want to stand. Why? I don't want to be one of them that adds more to the cup of America's iniquity. So Jesus, in this prophetic spot, was telling them, your father's added so much, another generation added more. Now you're going in the same direction as your father's. Go ahead. Fill up the measure of your cup. (laughs) Go ahead, Supreme Court. Legalize the right to kill babies. You added, only God knows how much to the cup of America's wrath. Praise the Lord. Oh my. This metaphor is actually drawn from this simple analogy of what Jesus used as a full cup. It's right at the top, it's right at the brim. Many of you that drink bottled water, I don't understand why, but some of these bottled water people, I don't know if they do it for a joke or what, but they put that water right to the very top and you try to screw that thing off and that, that plastic is as soft and flimsy, I don't know what. You take a bath at the same time you're trying to get a drink. Amen. Right? Oh, y'all been there and done that, huh? <laughs> so here the analogy of Jesus prophetically showing them. Y'all don't see it, you don't understand it. He was saying, but you're right at the top. My death, the crucifixion of my apostles is another drop and another drop. And I will disperse you over the entire earth. I will scatter you as seed sown into the wind. Amen. Did he? Right. He scattered the nation of Israel and Hadrian comes through and despises them and builds up this great place upon the Temple Mount in order to erect a God to the Roman mythology and change the name of it from the land of Israel to the land of Philistia, Latin Philistia, the land we call today the land of Palestine. You won't find that. God never called it the land of Palestine. He wanted to erase their name from the very land. Why? Because they added the last drop to the cups. Isn't it amazing? You got to get under the spirit of something, friend. What's this in Matthew 23, 33? The son of God, the heart of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, Jesus Christ. We believe that's what he was, do we not? Listen at his words. Ye serpents, You generation of vipers. Wow, that goes over good and loud to see it, don't it? Now this is the heart of God. This is the mercy of God. This is the mercy seat. Calling people serpents. Hmm. Must have been of their father, the devil, the serpent seed, you reckon? Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. 
Now, John had said this, and remember, four years prior to this, how can you escape the damnation of hell? God have mercy. Ye serpents, my, being called vipers, a venomous snake was bad enough, but the offspring of a viper, now listen to this, which was reputed to eat its way out of its pregnant mother's belly. So Jesus was identifying them with this serpent which would eat itself out of its mother's belly. I gave you the law, I gave you grace, I gave you mercy, and you chewed me up and spit me out. Oh, Lord God, you offspring of vipers. Lord, have mercy. Can you imagine a preacher preaching like that today? Well, I guess so. You just heard it, did you? <laughs> you are guilty of matricide. You have killed your parent. You say God is your father and you're fixing to take my life. I gave the land of Israel to you. I gave you this place. Lord God. In other words, this is worse than just being called a serpent or a viper. Watch this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. Who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up, fill up their sins all the way. For the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. So it's as if each generation passes the cup to the next generation because it still has a little bit of space. So the generation of the 20s after World War I, and they had the flappers and the dancing and women started cutting their hair and all that, remember that, whenever that happened years ago in the 20s. And then it kind of changed into the 30s and the early part of the 40s. And what, what happens, of course, World War II breaks out. And America's, oh, she's religious as she can be when she gets in trouble. So when war breaks out, she gets down on her knees, goes to praying. Isn't it amazing through that time of the 40s how the things begin to change a little bit and the nation begin to reach a place of soberness. And then when World War II is resolved, of course we have the Korean conflict in 1953, and then whenever it comes on down, then three years after this, then the prophet says, I predict this year. In 1956, America would accept or reject God and I predict she will reject him. Then after the 50s, what do we have? We have an onslaught of what? Beatles, monkeys, rock and roll. What was it? An onslaught out of hell. 
Come on, Happy Valley. And it began to add more drops to the cup. Oh, Lord God. Then we go into the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, and where we are, and every generation gets less dependent on God because they get more smart up here. And the more they get up here, the less they have down here. They're people of the head instead of people of the heart. If you can have an education and keep revelation, more to you. But for many of our young people in the message, they're getting smarter and smarter and more degrees and more degrees and they're getting farther and farther away from God in their revelation. And they want to process everything through the mind. My brother, sister, this is not the generation of the human intellect. This is the generation of the capstone. And the capstone is not our brain. The capstone is Jesus Christ, the Word. Our lives will not be capped off by a bachelor's degree or a PhD or an LL. It must be the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now look at where we are. We lead the world in abortion. Lead the world in divorce. Lead the world whenever Satan changed his headquarters and landed on the West Coast many years ago the invasion of the USA. From where? Hollywood. And now many of these Hollywood stars have gotten more saved than the preachers have got. That's right, they can endorse a candidate for president or senator or whoever more and people will follow that star. What are they following? Fallen stars. And they follow that influence of some, well my favorite movie star, your favorite movie star. You shouldn't even have a favorite movie star. You ought to be fond of pastors and preachers and teachers and evangelists. You shouldn't be making idols out of football stars and basketball stars and movie stars and this star. Well, Vanity Fair, I don't care what Vanity Fair said. I don't care, well, that's not should be the way we're shaping our lives. We should not be shaping our lives by some type of glamour magazine or Vanity Fair this. We ought to be shaping our lives by the word of God. The King James Version of the Bible, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the message of Malachi 4, getting us ready to escape the judgment that's going to break on this nation. Each generation passes the cup as it comes down till finally it reaches the climax. It's the culmination of their further sinning and getting away from God's program and also their despising of those that are good. One of our candidates which run for the presidential race said about us just a couple of weeks ago, this religious right, they need their rights taken from them because they're against the Lesbians and the gays and who knows what lays before us, friends. Bring it on, Lord. But Brother Donnie, what will we do? What will we do? We'll do what the saints have always done. We'll run closer together. No doubt there'll be fewer of us. So be it. So be it. Let God gather the, the premier class. Well, praise the Lord. My, God waits till the measure has reached full before he executes 
the judgment, the finale. You see it in individuals. You see it in families. A family may go for years and years and from one generation to the next and hoodlums and liars and this and that and that and it just seems like they just get by with everything. Then all of a sudden the cup gets full. You see, when the measure is full, the execution of the judgment of God has reached the level of justice where justice has now been met because the cup is full. God could drive out the Amorites, the Hittites. God could fall, cause the walls of Jericho to fall down. God could give them divine, holy divine intervention and it would not be answerable at the day of judgment that God helped one group of people over another group because of a peculiar favor that he wanted to give to them. But God is giving it to them because the misbelief, the unbelief, the misbehaving attitude of these other people and God sovereignly helps those who are giving the heart to him. Hey brother, I need his help. I don't know about you, I need his help, I need his love, I need his grace. While America and the world, may I say, has turned down God, I'm giving God my heart, my life, my mind, my soul. It is not unjust for God to heal me when I'm sick. It is not unjust for God to give me revelation and mercy and grace. And at the moment when it comes, praise God, if I'm alive, it is not gonna be unjust for God to drop rapture and grace in my soul and change my body and if I'm standing there to cash here at Lowe's and I'm paying for whatever I got and all of a sudden I disappear and God did not give the cashier rapture and grace, it will not be unjust. Well, praise the Lord. Why? Because God is rendering out the measure to those, oh, praise the Lord Jesus, who've been identified with his word. Don't you see? This is not just a bunch of do's and don'ts and can and cannot. We are going to be rewarded for our faithfulness to this word. We are going to be called out of here. Don't you worry, little bride. Don't you worry, little children. You will not be here whenever this cup goes to being poured out. Can I have a few more minutes? Watch this in Revelation 14, 15. Another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time for thee to reap has come. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. What a strange parallel. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in the sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now listen. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth. Notice, two gatherings. Glory to God. Glory to God. Notice this, there was one on a cloud and he thrust in his sickle in verse 16 and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven having a sharp sickle. Another angel came from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in thy sharp sickle. Another angel 
gathering another group of people. And gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth. Notice where they went. And cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. Can't you see? One group is being gathered under a spirit, an influence by which an angel on a cloud. And they will be gathered from the earth, not to wrath, but grace. Any of you know tonight when the very first time in the Bible when the word grace was mentioned? Okay, I'll tell you. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The very first time the word grace. What's God doing? Gathering his people. Why? Because the wrath is fixing to come. They're going to be gathered too on the outside of the ark in the water. But the other group is going to be gathered inside the ark under the auspices of a one-man message. Let's read this verse 19 and 20. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Look, friends, COVID is a drop in the bucket compared to what's fixing to happen. You understand that television is getting people's mind and their imagination ready for many of these fictitious things which will open up under the vials. These won't be actually natural things on the earth. The prophet says it will be in their imagination. And there will be locusts that will come up and they'll have long nails and they'll have long hair. And the prophet said they'll come to torment women on the earth that have cut theirs off. Where will it be? In their imagination, in their minds. Oh God, help us. We're getting under a spirit. My, I don't want to be under the spirit of the world. I don't want to add to that cup, do you? Oh, whenever I was lost, I added my part. I quit adding a long time ago by the grace of God. If I'm going to do any adding, I want to try to add every soul that I can. Every word of encouragement, Brother Wes, to the people of God, the bride of Jesus Christ. Is that the way you feel? So when the angel associated with the cloud goes to putting the sickle into the earth to gather the harvest, no wonder the prophet, whenever he read his text there, December, what was it? December the 27th, I believe, 1964, 
And he says, I'm not sure why, but for some reason, I want to title this The Harvest Time. The Harvest Time. If you haven't listened to it, you ought to listen to it. Where are we? Harvest Time. And the wheels of prophecy are waiting to align. Maybe there's a few more drops, a few more laws that might need to be passed. Would it be a year from now, two from now? Who knows? Well, they come against the bride and start. They may be already listening to us and people like us on YouTube to be able to ban us and flag us and, you know, that we're projecting hate already in Canada. I don't know if you know it or not, but already in Canada, they have to be careful what they say. Already in Russia, the message has been deemed hate material. And I was told by a former follower of the message that it informed some of the Russian officials. And they began to check some of Brother Bram's books. Can you imagine the damnation that waits such an individual? Look, friend, God will let it go. God will let it go. And this is what convinces them they're getting by with it. And they're doing God a favor. Because they're persecuting the bride. They're blasting preachers. They're doing all of this. And everything seems to be doing good. They're doing good all right. One drop. Each video they make. Another drop. Every preacher they call in the message. Every man of God they blast and run down. Call them liars and hypocrites. It's only another drop into their cup. Thank God for his mercy. How will God be able to let this nation be annihilated when millions will die at one time? A three to four hundred mile chunk of the earth, fifteen hundred miles long, will break off and fall plumb down into the Salton Sea. Fall maybe forty miles deep. 1935, he prophesied and said, the sea will weep its way into the desert. You imagine when the Pacific starts crying. And she will cry and cry. Millions of teenagers. Millions on the West Coast up through Oregon. I don't want to scare you, but even up into Vancouver. Down into Mexico. Oh God. Rock of ages. Cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee Lord. Look friend if it was not for the grace of God moving on our hearts. We would be adding. Because we are Americans. We love America boy. You want to get even message people all riled up. Say something about politics. Oh man you'll find out how much Holy Ghost they got. Uh huh. Just mention something about their party, their candidate, and man, you'll get emails. Believe me, I know. I think they're more fervor about their candidate than they are the Lord Jesus. I'll tell you what I'm looking for in America to take over when King Jesus comes to reign with us again. We need a godly king, not a president. No. No. Amen. Don't you love him tonight? Think of it, friends. God's mercy broke the chain 
We was everyone born in our nature. We was born in our nature to add to the cup of God's wrath that would make God destroy us. Satan found this key 6,000 years ago. If he can make man do something, he can't make God do it. But if he can make man do something that'll break God's word, he'll force God's hand to reprimand, reprimand man himself. So he just uses man to make God reprimand him and God wiped off the whole earth. Satan couldn't stand and say, God, I'm gonna make you do it, I'm gonna make you. He knows better than that. So he just causes man to do it himself. And he forces God's hand till the cup is so full. I wonder how close we are. Till God will say, not another day, my sweetheart. Am I going to let you live on this earth? May God help us. I want to be ready, don't you? Let's bow our heads together. Oh, Lord Jesus. Father, help us tonight. We love you, Lord. Let me just look at me just a moment. Let me, let me tell you a little story before we pray. Many years ago, 1861, something like that, spring of 62, a whole wagon train of pioneers were heading across the plains, going to land that was given to them by the government. If they'd be able to go out and farm it, they'd give them 160 acres, depends on if it was the Oregon part or the California part. As they head out and they reach the plains up around noon in the day, they begin to look out and the guide saw a horrific sight. And it was the plains they were on fire. And it was coming right toward them. The way the wind was blowing, it would be upon them in a few hours. And it was stretching as far as the eye could see. They had crossed a river the day before, but there'd be no way for them to get back to safety. So one man had enough thought, and he called the men together and he said, Light this grass. They said, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, obey my orders. Light this grass. Catch it on fire. Behind us. So they caught quite a large area on fire. And then he commanded all the wagons to get over in that area. Once they got there, this big fire out here kept coming toward them, toward them, and a little girl screamed out, Sir, are you sure we're going to be safe? He said, Yes, little lady. We are standing where the fire has already been. It will preserve us. You know why we can stand in this hour of trouble? We are standing where the judgment of God has already broke loose on Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He took the judgment of God and tread the wine press of the wrath alone because we can stand right here where the judgment of God has already been. 
Amen. The judgment of God has not struck America like it's fixing to strike it. It's not struck even the world like it's fixing to strike it. But the judgment of God smote him that day on Calvary. So bring your family. Bring your wagon as it was. Bring all you are. Get in there. Oh, my. Oh, but Brother Donnie, we will be able to stand. Yes, we're safe. The judgment of God's already struck here. Hallelujah. Oh, when the wrath comes, we're safe. We'll go sailing away. Praise be to God. Because the wrath of God has already struck here. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. I would be in this scripture. I would be no doubt one of those in Revelation that the angel would pull me out and throw me in the wrath of God. But you, Lord Jesus, come and took my place. You became me that I might become you. So no matter how foolish it might look to the eyes of the world, let them laugh at us, make fun of us. We want to stand where the fire has been. Hallelujah. If we can make it where the judgment of God struck like it never struck before. Hallelujah. This is why Israel could be saved because they killed a lamb and took the blood and painted it over the doorpost. And the blood was a sign of death. The reason death couldn't get them was because death had already struck by symbol their door. Hallelujah. They were saved from death by death. Hallelujah. But it was the right death. So we are saved from death by the death of the innocent one. We are saved from hell because our Lord Jesus went to hell in our place. I'll stand in this place. I'll stand in this marred, burnt over image that the world will look at and say there's no beauty about it that we should desire it. How foolish it would have been for them to try to rally their, their wagons together and just stand there and, well, we'll try to think it away. We'll use the power of positive thinking. Or we, 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 we'll take our, 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 our aprons or whatever more and we'll try to fight it off. They would have been consumed. Their horses burned, their wagons burned. A total loss. But they had to enter into a place that had been burned over. It didn't look pretty. It didn't look good. It didn't smell good. But it kept them from being destroyed. Oh, rock of ages. I look upon your scars tonight by my eyes of faith and I say I am not ashamed of you, Lord Jesus. I look at your word. I am not ashamed to say I'm identified with Malachi 4. I know these people are protected. They don't even realize, even in our own ranks, it's getting to a place to stand and read quotes of the prophet. Some of the message people don't even want you to do it no more. They don't want you to refer to his name. They don't want you to call the name of the prophet. It might bring reproach from the outside. Somebody might hear it. I'm not ashamed, Lord God. I'm reminded of your prophet messenger when he wrote to Timothy, Paul, and he said, don't be ashamed of me as prisoner and don't be ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel 
of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. I am not ashamed, Lord God, that this word teaches us to dress different. Our men don't look like our women and our women don't look like our men. I am not ashamed to say our girls don't want to marry girls and our boys don't want to marry boys. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed to say we don't have rock and roll concerts in our church for our young people, but we have a baptism of the Holy Ghost to offer ours. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed. Lord Jesus, help us, Father. Hide us, Lord God. Hide us. Grant it, Lord Jesus. How many wants to be here tonight? Would you just raise your hands? Move under the covering of his wings. Look for him. You have got the greatest protection anybody could ever have. It's feathers. It's feathers. Amen. Feathers. Your father is calling you together under his feathers. Praise God. We worship you, Lord God. We know not where our nation is headed, Lord. We're not sure who's going to be the president, who's going to be this, who's going to be that. But our hope is not settled in the uncertainty of politics. Our hope is anchored in Christ Jesus, the Word. Thank you, Lord, you broke my cycle of adding to the cup many years ago. If there's any standing here tonight in your presence and they're still adding by their unbelief, they're adding to the cup of wrath. May the cycle be broken their life tonight, Lord. That after tonight, they're not adding to judgment, adding to wrath, but they're adding faith to virtue, virtue to knowledge, knowledge to temperance. Granted, I pray, Lord God. Can we just worship him just a little bit, children, before we go? I know you got to work and your kids got school and all that sort of thing. But can we just worship the Lord a little? You imagine the children of Israel, they sat there in Goshen that night. And they were close enough to the people of Egypt that they could hear the death screams as it would come out. And they'd hear screams and hollers. And, oh, it must have been so fearful. There sat the firstborn. Maybe your age. In another house, there was another firstborn this age or that age or Carol's age. Carol being the firstborn of eight in her family. Me being the firstborn of seven in mine. You imagine sitting there in the house and the only thing you have is some words from a man that's called to be a prophet. And he said, God told him, if you'd take this blood of a lamb and put it on the doorpost and then eat the lamb, when death come, you'd be spared. There's no scientific reason to prove it. There was no scientific research to back it up. But you only had this one man's word. But you just happened to believe this one man had been in the presence of God. That he was a prophet that had received the word. I feel like we're sitting in the same place. We've had a prophet of God that's come and brought us a message of the hour. We have applied the token. Praise God. Death is all around us. Spiritual death is all around us. Natural death is everywhere around us. They're screaming, peace and safety, peace and safety. Oh, we'll do this and we'll do this and we'll do that. And sudden destruction comes upon them. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Sing something for us, Harry. Let's just sit here in the house. 
while we're worshiping him. We're eating the lamb. The blood's been applied to the doorpost. No reason it was put on the doorpost because the name was on the doorpost. So the blood's applied to the family name, which is the name of the body, the mystical body, Jesus Christ. You see, many people mention that name and repeat it, but they're not in it. But to the bride, when she says it, it's actually her name as well. Right? Isn't it amazing that you sisters are the one that changed your names? So you walk up here, I perform the ceremony. Your maiden name is Brown, Shote, you know, whatever it is. And after a ceremony, what's the last thing I say? Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Mr. and Mrs. John Doe. She walked up here a Smith. She walked up here a Brown. She walked up whatever. But she walks off of there a different name. Praise God. We come as church of God. We come as drunks. We come as liars. We come as Baptists. But we walked away. The bride of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's worship together. Oh, praise God. This yearning deep oh, Jesus. within me. Oh, Jesus. Reaches out to you. Out to you, Lord God. Lord of joy. Yes, Lord. Makes me, makes me new, and I will go to your secret place. Bow my knee to your glorious throne. Have you?
that's your desire tonight, amen. Let's just sing that little chorus. I'm going home, I'm going soon. Let's sing that tonight, amen. As you're dismissed, just enjoy the presence of the Lord as you before you go tonight a little bit, amen. As you go back out to the world, who, who knows what we'll face the next few days. So just enjoy the presence of the Lord while you can tonight, amen. Here as we sing this song, you can be dismissed as you will. Oh, I'm going home.